Hello, everyone. Happy All Out Week still, because this is the last show of my All Out Week. This is like the boxing day to our Christmas day, because I am here to review the show. And I am joined by Nit Milton. Nit, how are you? Oh, man, Miss Dynamite Oh, hear you blowing up the stereo. You. Everybody got to hear you. Know, what is good, Sister Chase? I, I'm, I'm excited for today. Uh, have you recovered from the euphoria of last night yet? No, uh, <laughs> I haven't. You know what? And firstly, thank you so much for singing Miss Dynamite, uh, letting everyone know that doesn't get that reference and they can now look that up on, on iTunes. Classic, classic song. <laughs> it is a classic song indeed. Um, am I recovered from it? No, I feel like I woke up this morning in a whole, a whole new world kind of you know like that's how it feels like um i had it for my preview i had um john pollock on and he he said that he felt like aw was entering like aw 2.0 and i think last night it's like we're, we're in like season two or something now for sure for sure um yeah well i mean first i'll ask you like overall kind of excitement for you this morning how did you feel waking up after that do you think yeah this 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 thing is like this this train is going even faster now yeah like let's let's go ahead and cut the formalities here stephanie like this is a good show like for anybody waiting to hear what we thought about this show it was a good show great show and so like you know it's great when you got grown people with with children and and jobs they got to get to in the morning that are up at three and four o'clock talking about how great that show was. And so like, I, I had high hopes for all out and I thought we were going to get something good and they over delivered. Like the way I kind Mm -hmm. of grade any pay-per-view Stephanie, you know, it's not a star rating. It's not a thumbs up. It's not a thumbs down. It's did I get my money's worth? Yeah. And there's been like, Honestly, there's been shows with AW where I've gotten my money's worth, and there's been shows where I felt, you know, maybe I didn't quite get my money's worth. Last mm-hmm. night, I felt like I owed Tony Khan some money because <laughs> that that wasn't a $50 show, man. <laughs> uh, I like that. I mean, I think that from everything Tony's done recently, I don't think he needs our money. No. <laughs> Which is the great thing about Tony. He doesn't need our money. Um, I kind of grade it on how late I stay up afterwards mm, because mm-hmm. I have real trouble getting to sleep after I've watched something, you know, really exciting. And over in the UK, these pay-per-views end so late that sometimes I'll be up to like five, six in the morning. And this was a stay up till six in the morning afterwards and think about read Twitter, read people's takes um, moment. But I mean, I, I don't know how Vince McMahon felt when he woke up this morning, but I would not <laughs> be feeling good if I was him at at all, at all, at all. Um, I mean, to continue the Christmas kind of motif. Yeah. Uh, like he probably woke up like the Grinch, just just hearing all the who's down in Whoville having a party, and he's like, <laughs> "I've got to find some way to stop them with their sparklers and their their twarklers and their farknarklers, like some something Susian uh, in Vince's voice." But like, <laughs> it's 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 legit, man. Like, if he did not know beforehand, which. I, I believe Vince McMahon is smarter than a lot of people give him credit for. Like, I, I think he knew what the deal was. But if he didn't know before last night, now he knows. Like, this mm-hmm. is not TNA, like, for lack of a better yes. 
description. Yeah. This is a company that's going to be around for a little bit. And that's coming from you, a big yeah. TNA guy. I, I love TNA, man. <laughs> but like going back and looking at some of the mistakes, and I think that's mm-hmm. part of why AW and why Tony Khan work is they had, for lack of a better term, they had the Dixie blueprint to look at and yes. realize where Dixie went right and where, unfortunately, a lot of times Dixie went wrong and avoid mm-hmm. those mistakes, avoid those traps. And so like they... The fact that they hit us with with those one two punches at the end of the show, like I, I was still recovering from that. Like an hour later, I'm like, did I just see what I thought I saw? Because that mm-hmm. was amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, before we get into everything, and we will start with those one two punches. I think because like that's the talking point. What was your like? What situation did you watch this in? Did you watch this at home? Did you watch it alone? <laughs> I, as the song goes, I watched this all by myself. It was just me, right. myself, and I. And uh-huh. and that's how good this show was, though, Stephanie. Like, there were moments alone at the crib where I'm standing up clapping, where I'm yeah. cussing at the TV screen. Like, there was a moment where uh, uh, Penta hugged his daughter. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there with, with a tear in my eye, Stephanie Chase. Like, I, it, was, it was an amazing viewing experience just alone, just solo. So I can only mm-hmm. imagine, like, if you watched it with friends or you were out at a bar or, you know, if you were fortunate enough to be in Hoffman Estates, like that atmosphere must've just been electric. Yeah. The live atmosphere seemed absolutely incredible. I'm always jealous of people in Chicago for just everything. They get so, so much. Uh, I mean, it's it's really like seems like now the kind of wrestling capital um and aw you know once this pandemic kind of stopped and they were allowed to travel they they of course had to go straight back to chicago mm. uh, so i'm always jealous of people from chicago because they've just been given way too much with punk brian um and cole all appearing in the in their city for mm. me i watched it at a bar um so i i hosted an all-out viewing party it was super super fun um it's what one of the best things i've ever done to be honest and the people were so hyped for this show like there mm. was you know a lot of a lot of cm punk chanting we did a big judas sing along there was people a lot of yes chanting people really anticipating daniel bryan um yeah we were like playing themes and we did a quiz and then we got a special guest of Anthony Agogo Kim to watch nice. it with us. So that was nice. I ended up watching the show and sat next to Anthony Agogo. Um, so that was very, very cool. I, he is a lovely guy. And it did spoil my prediction for the big show match, though. <laughs> I really thought I thought that man was coming back to knock out big show. Um, but no, he, he was not. He did not get involved in that. But yes. <laughs> Um, that was awesome, and the uh, the the reactions from people in the bar, like they were, um, there were such strong reactions to like certain people. It was interesting to see who's proper over. Uh, Eddie Kingston is yes. proper over, of course, and he's quite special in the UK as well because he did a lot. Um, you know, he he did a lot over here. Lucha Bros so over um as well and then like usual brit bakers like um ruby soho got a great reception but then of course like the ending um got like the the most incredible uh, reception ever punk match was um punk got an amazing reception after the punk match was so i i was in a bar when i watched a bar when brock defeated the undertaker Mm. um, at wrestlemania and that's when like everyone 
just kind of left the bar after that match and like stood outside like the bar smoking area and it was just people that generally just needed some fresh air to like kind of calm down from that the punk match like not that it was the best match of all time like that was the time when the most people were just gathered outside being like wow okay so we saw that like we saw cm punk come back yeah <laughs> So that was really, really cool. Um, let's see what some of the people in the chat are saying. Uptown Avondale, watching the movie theater. Um, oh, nice. Wow. Okay, that's cool. Um, everyone from the chat already, everyone just absolutely, um, absolutely loved this show so much. Um, some people here are saying it's the best pay-per-view. I don't know if that's like... <laughs> I, I, I feel like it could be, and I feel like I have to watch it again to mm. really know, you know, before I make like such a like such a st uh, statement. Oh, Heel Hydra says yeah. I need caffeine. I am drinking coffee right now. Like, yes, absolutely. Um, cheesy Biscuit Fingers hasn't slept <laughs> from the excitement. Oh, oh wow, man. <laughs> I mean, at, at, look after we, after the show, I'm gonna need you to get some sleep, dog, because it's, it's beneficial for your health. You can't just stay up yeah. 48 hours off of that AEW high. No, no, you can't, you can't. And we have if I were top five pay per view of all time. Um, I think it's like, uh, oh, cheesy biscuit fingers has watched it three times already. That's why wow. he hasn't been to bed okay. yet. <laughs> um, uh, Wheelie Weir says, what's the status of Anthony Agogo? Is he injured? Will he go back to AEW ring? Um, he's just over in the UK for a bit because it's kind of like he comes back and like takes some time here. So that's, um, yeah, he, but he should be back in, in AEW soon um, with, uh, with, the, with the rest of the factory, hopefully to get some revenge on, on Cody Rhodes. <laughs> 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 he may have to join a line though. Yeah. Revenge on Cody Rhodes there. So let's start. We'll start just with the the end of the the Kenny and Christian match. So there was the 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 thought that Christian was maybe a weak challenger for Kenny because no one believed Christian was winning, uh, even though he did win that Impact title. Uh, they, I, I thought that this match would go on last. I know there's a lot of debate about it. I felt it would go on last just because I thought there would be a surprise. Did you think it was going to go on last? I thought it would go on second to last because right. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those people. And maybe now Tony Khan is helping us to unlearn some of these wrestling habits, Stephanie. Yeah. But I'm one of those yeah. people. Like, I'm not going to believe it until you show me. And so mm -hmm. like, I heard, you know, the Daniel Bryan or the Brian Danielson rumors. I heard the Adam Cole rumors and it's like, mm, I'm, I'm going to believe it when I see it. And so I thought if you don't have that surprise, then Punk and Darby had to go last. But as soon as they announced, you know, that that was going to be the main event with, with Christian and, and Kenny, I was like, oh, Tony got something. In so Tony got something for us. I don't know what it is, but Tony got something for us. Mm -hmm. So Kenny, he did a great promo where he said the only people that could beat him here are retired or already or aren't here or retired or already dead. Mm. I know that when I was watching and he dropped that already deadline, I was thinking, is this going somewhere dark problematic right now? 
or and then I suddenly remembered that Adam Cole is the person that is already dead. And Adam Cole comes out, he had pretty cool entrance music. He was full on, like everyone was doing his baby chant. He was wearing an all elite baby t-shirt, which I think is one of the things that would have pissed Vince off the most. Like him like keeping these, you know, getting to keep these catchphrases, and then he makes yeah. this like cool, cool t-shirt. Um, we get him facing off with the mega, and then he kicks jungle boy. <laughs> And he goes back to his friends in the elite. Um, so when Adam Cole came out because there were Daniel Bryan rumors, were you like disappointed or were you like, I'm gonna I'm gonna see where this is going? It it was a moment of brief disappointment, Stephanie, if I'm being honest, where I was like, oh, that ain't Daniel Bryan. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, that's Adam Cole. Like, and yeah. so like it just dissecting this final five, ten minutes of this show is just a masterclass in playing with your audience's expectations and setting things up, delaying it, giving them something different, and then giving them the thing that you ultimately set up in the beginning. And so like when Cole came out, I was like, oh, where is this going? Like is Cole mm -hmm. like one of our top baby faces now? And then as soon as, you know, he, he kicked uh, he kicked my boy Jungle Boy, I was like, okay, this is very interesting. I like Cole with the Elite. Like it works yeah. already. Yeah, I feel like the only person you could have done this kind of um, everyone's expecting Brian like swerve here with is Adam Cole because he's mm. so familiar to the fan base and he's really loved by the fan base. And I think that with how stacked AEW is with big stars right now, very clever to put him in the elite to make him yeah. a heel because he there's then there's no like... Mm when's Adam Cole kind of going to be like a top guy um, initial thing because he could be secondary to Kenny and just play off like mm -hmm. that friendship between them. And I think that of all the matches I want to see most for Adam Cole now uh, would be Adam Cole, Jungle Boy. I think Jungle Boy would be yeah. such a great person for, for Adam Cole to work with and like get more reps in with because Jungle Boy is so cool. And I'll, I'll say straight up now that I think, I thought that Jungle Boy, if this is where it was all going, now that we know the ending, why couldn't Jungle Boy just have been Kenny's pay-per-view challenger? Like, mm. and they could have done that because if it was going to be a match where the title is definitely not changing hands and we're actually getting a big angle at the end, I think I would have rather seen Jungle Boy showcased uh, in that light. And I think you would have had more than the zero percent of like chance of christian winning i think he would have had more than that with jungle boy because there would yeah. at least be a few people thinking like they could just pull the trigger jungle boy and, and have him win so it made me kind of more like like sorry christian but i i still think that you, you should have got this spot <laughs> yeah i mean like, so, like no dis no disrespect to that man christian like that no. dude is 47 48 went out there and did it did the damn thing like I, mm -hmm. I give all the respect in the world to him but even when they first announced this match, you know, a, a few weeks ago, or maybe even a few months ago by now, like, I wasn't super hyped for it, Stephanie. And yeah. the match on Rampage got me a little bit more invested because that was a really good match on Rampage. But even then, I was like, mm, this this is okay. Like, it's mm -hmm. it's that, that that's the reason I was like, there's no way this follows Punk unless you have something else uh, waiting for the people. Uh, but I, I do like the idea of, you know, giving that shine, giving that spot to Jungle Boy because he's he's somebody. Man, that's the other thing about AEW. Like, yeah, we got a lot of these 30 plus dudes on the roster now, 
but they have some really good young talent with Darby, with Jungle Boy, with Sammy, yeah. with, with Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs. Like, they've got a nice deep bench of, of talent mm -hmm. that, you know, Adam Cole and, and now uh, Brian Danielson can work with. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Cole, I thought, for a guy that we've seen really, really recently, um, I thought he just looked really good when he came out. He looked like someone that was happier. I mean, it's not quite the transformation of uh, CM Punk, who mm. looked like 10 years younger coming out than he did at the end of his WWE win. But there's something about Adam Cole where I was just like, yeah, he looks he looks good. He looks better than he did like over a week ago here. Like mm. he he he's been cleansed. He's in the deprogramming program right now. Um and he's just enjoying enjoying life outside of that system for the past couple of days. So we have Adam Cole kind of promo saying, like, of course, he's going back with his friends in the lead. He has like a little kiss moment with the young bucks. Um, I think that the young bucks and Adam Cole, they they really fit together, um, yeah. uh, like just as a trio. I think even more than Omega and the Bucks fit together. I think there's something about Cole that he can really like work that that young Bucks like healness that they do. Yeah, I uh, can't quite pin it down. Like I, between the Bucks, Kenny and Cole, like there's they've got like the classic heel tendencies, but they're also like smarmy, like smarmy mm -hmm. frat boys. Like yeah. And and I think that energy that that all of them have is going to serve them well because I'm, mm -hmm. I was and I hate to say this Stephanie but there was a point maybe three or four weeks ago where I was kind of like, I'm, I'm kind of getting tired with all this elite stuff but now like uh -huh. throwing coal in the mix that's an injection of yes. energy that I really dig. Yeah, I felt like I can I can see why um, you could get tired of the the elite stuff. I think other than the hangman storyline mm. is great and we had to put that in the back burner but i've always like there's not really been a strong enough like proper faction to ever go against the the elite um i think so well other than like but way back in the beginning when they had like elite inner circle and stuff but right now there hasn't been like a strong faction like that so we'll move on to the next person because <laughs> after this we have kenny he's gonna do his goodbye. He's saying he's going to send everyone home happy. He goes to bid the crowd goodbye. But before he finishes, we get a flight of the Valkyries. Yes. A bit, but then going into kind of a, a hip hop song. But <laughs> Yo, apparently... this was Bride of the Valkyries, the trap remix. Because, like, it yeah. started, off, started off on normal. Da, 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 and then all of a sudden, don't, don't, don't stop. Get it. I'm like, is Daniel, Daniel Bryan went from Valhalla. To Magic City in 30 seconds, man. Like I, I don't know if I like the music, but I like D Bry, and so I'm 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 happy this man is back. I could say for the music, watching it in the bar, you you got the initial flight of the Valkyries. When it turned to the the trap, the hip hop, you could not hear that like at all. So it was as if they had just played like the first couple of seconds, mm. and then you were like struggling, like, what's this now? <laughs> That's like, all Tony totally paid this? for. <laughs> Um, and Tony has said that, uh, as expected, the final countdown was just way, way too expensive. So this yeah. is not even Tony can can afford <laughs> to pay Europe for that track, which means it must be really, really dear. So certainly more expensive than Rancid. But uh, Daniel Bryan comes out. He's he's just so Daniel Bryan, like so casual. 
casual dress, just yes. looking like with the man that, bun, <laughs> man bun, like a cool hipster dad. <laughs> uh, quite obviously, like goes wild. Um, and he joins the feasts. He joins Christian, Jurassic Express. This big brawl. He's doing his yes kicks on Nick Jackson and a running knee. Um, and then he poses in the ring to end the show. Yep. So, as far as debuts go, what? How would you rank Daniel Bryan's up there? A, a low key guy himself yeah. that that people give a really high reaction to for such a low-key just <laughs> nice happy-go-lucky person yeah, like obviously the the immediate comparison stephanie is with punk when punk yeah. returned and i don't think it was at that level but if you combine cole and brian danielson like i think it's really close the mm -hmm. the emotion and the energy that, that people felt like Again, it's just great storytelling of playing with people's expectations and then ultimately delivering, you know, on what you hinted at. Like, that's yeah. an amazing concept, Stephanie. We're going to yeah. tease something, get you excited yeah. for something, get you to anticipate something and then give it to you. And I was just so happy to see this man. Like, I, I love that. Well, two things. I, number one, I love that it it feels like Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson DBD is going to be a part of your main event mix, but he's not going to take Adam Page's spot. Cause I don't think I would, yeah. that would, that would not have set right with me if he had mm -hmm. come in and took this dude's spot. The second thing is the last thing you hear when this show is going off the air is the crowd chanting and yeah. they're not chanting. Yes. They're chanting AEW. Yeah. And it's like this Daniel Bryan, as you said earlier, like this is, the start of a new chapter for this company, a start of a chapter yeah. that has a lot of people excited, a lot of people interested, and it was the the perfect way to end that show. Mm -hmm. I'll say for, for Daniel Bryan, you know, he's always been one of my favorite wrestlers, of course. He's great. I understand why people love him so much. Uh, the only thing that had been annoying me about Daniel Bryan, the man for the past couple of years, was all this teasing, doing other stuff, mm -hmm. um, all that kind of thing. I do think he was mistreated by WWE, and I think he's kind of too like looking on the bright side of things to properly like register that in the way that I would. Um, <laughs> and when he had been talking before, like he did a, you know, an, an interview not long ago with BT sport of all people, like talking about, you know, other people in other companies that he wanted to wrestle, going to Japan and stuff. I was always very much, I'm, I'm pretty harsh person. So I was kind of like, grow some balls, you know, Brian, just go do it. Just go do it, you know. And now that he's done it, and I love when he when he said, I think it was in the the press conference after that, you know, like I have family in WWE, and for most people that might mean like yeah. a sibling or or like a partner or someone. And for him, like his his father in law is John Laurinaitis. So of all people, <laughs> like to leave, yeah. like like that's a that's a tough one um, for for Laurinaitis to take there uh, as far as his talent you know, relations and stuff goes, but I'm so happy he's made the right decision. I never doubted Adam Cole um, as much as people wondered and as much as there was the, the narrative of him being such a nice guy. He's a super, super nice guy, but that doesn't equate being an idiot. You know, you can <laughs> you can be a nice guy that says like, thank you so much for my time here, Vince, yeah. Triple H, Sean, but I'm moving on. And I never doubted that Adam Cole would come because at this company is is where he belongs, especially considering his history with the with the elite. And it's just a matter of being aware of your surroundings and yeah. taking the temperature in the room. Like, 
Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not I'm not the type of person, Stephanie, that's just gonna get up here and you know just throw crap on WWE all day long because it's like, mm-hmm. man, that's that's a company that employs people. So at the end of the yeah. day, that's that's a positive. But you can't watch these two programs, you can't watch these two companies and and not see the difference and not see that one company is is doing better by their talent and by their fans than the other. And so if I'm somebody who has the option to leave, like mm-hmm. Adam Cole. Come on, who what do I look like signing back up with this yeah. with this clown show when yeah. I can go be a part of something? And I think you know, you mentioned the way he looked and how he looked yeah. refreshed. I think there is there is something that comes with freedom, Stephanie. There's mm-hmm. something that comes with being able to be your truest self and being able mm-hmm. to do your job or do your craft or do your passion in the way that you really want to do it. And he has that opportunity in AEW yeah. in a way that he didn't really have that in the other company Mm -hmm. with Brian. I think he looked, um, you know, a lot of wrestlers will do the, the like narrative that they, as if they, they broke it out of prison or, or somewhere, (laughs) uh, Daniel Bryan, I can't see ever doing that because he is uh, super nice and has super like love for WWE, but he more just looked like someone that had been able to like exhale, you know, like, just be like, wow, okay, so that's over. And I'm happy to be here now. And that was really, really nice to see. Um, and I did like that. Uh, yeah, Matthew's mentioned it here. He, Daniel Garcia is someone that um, Daniel Bryan mentioned after the mm, show. Yeah. And he had texted Tony Khan to say that might be his child because, of course, the Bella's real uh, surname is Garcia. I would... I would love that to be a funny storyline where it turns out that Brie Bella and um, Daniel Bryan, uh, Brian Danielson is so hard with this name thing. Uh, calling yeah, this it, it really is. We it is so it. hard. We have to unlearn it. I'm going to try and just call him Brian, uh, <laughs> like as if I'm on Toll Bellas uh, now going forward. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Daniel Garcia and uh, actually him mentioning that uh, makes me even more um, sold on the idea that uh, the the Garcia twins will be totally fine when they are <laughs> when they are forced to go by that name. Mm. I think. Uh, thank you to Easy uh, Attack for donating four dollar ninety nine super that's chat. That's Professor Professor Chris from LA from. The Nubian Wrestling Advocates on Post Wrestling. What's good, brother? Oh, awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. Well, shall we start at the actual start, which was the buy-in? So the buy-in was the Jurassic Express and the Best Friends defeating my least favorite faction, the Hardy Family (laughs) Office. (laughs) Yo, yo, I love AEW, Stephanie. Some of these factions... <laughs> Hardy Family Office, the the your man QT Marshall out here. Like some of these stables don't don't really need to be stables. Uh, the Hardy Family Office. Like everybody don't have to be a group. <laughs> Y'all can be separate. <laughs> I love factions, I must say, but the idea of a faction being based on people following Matt Hardy is too much <laughs> for me to believe in um i really like i mean i i don't really have anything to say about the match because to be honest um 
uh, in the at the live party this is a point where anthony agogo entered um mm. the room and i i got to ask him some questions including because i don't know if you know that anthony agogo was on a was on the uk version of dancing with the stars Really? He was on Strictly Come Dancing, yeah. So I got okay. to ask him in-depth questions such as who would win in a dance-off between you and Dancing with the Stars contestant Chris Jericho, which was a question he did not think was coming. And um, and then also, you know, st- then more more relevant stuff about about punk and um, mm. QT Marshall and Big Show. So <laughs> this match, I'm just happy that the Hardy family office lost. Uh, my yeah. thoughts on them... I, at the start, I was like, when they did the private party thing, I know a lot of people felt like private party, being a young tag team, he was like a good mentor. Mm-hmm. But to me, I thought it killed the private party, cool party gimmick to be going yeah. with 50-year-old Matt Hardy <laughs> in his terrible, terrible outfits. Mm-hmm. Um and then, of course, you know, I had the whole, well, they'll eventually rise up and, and turn on him. That hasn't happened yet. And this has no. been going on forever. <laughs> and I'm sick. Of, I am sick of the Hardy family office. I, I'd watch Private Party all day, but you throw my Hardy in there. And mm. it's it's turned off TV, like such as at the last pay-per-view when they had the the battle royal that, that Jungle Boy won. And Private Party were just helping out Matt Hardy. Yeah, guys, guys, please <laughs> just, <laughs> just throw this man It's it's not working. And in in fairness to Matt, like I do feel like one of the biggest moments AEW could have had was not to be because of the pandemic when he mm-hmm. first debuted. Like I think yeah. that would have been crazy in an arena full of fans. And so, like this this just isn't working for me though. Like I think Matt Hardy is is a creative mind, but this, this ain't it. This ain't the move. It's not helping him. And more to your point, Stephanie, it's, it's not elevating private party in the way that it should. No, no. You've got two guys that went from being just um, a proper exciting tag team to watch and watch the rise of, because they're so young to being just turn off television by association. But it's, you know, they, this man, I, I think people complain too much about the, the screen time given to QT and not Matt Hardy. We're going to talk, we're going to talk about the ultimate finesse of QT Marshall. <laughs> well, we started the proper pay-per-view with a host fight here between Nero and Eddie Kingston. Yes. Uh, they, they, order you know as we go through this stuff it'd be uh, interesting to get thoughts on like the the layout of this because that's something i've been thinking about like all week and i could say interesting decisions were made but this was a cool match to kick it off because this match was never not going to be just hard hitting and i think that's a great way to stop the pay-per-view uh so we got to the end here when uh, Kingston, he had a desperation DDT, but the official was putting a turnbuckle pad um, back on. There was a near fall. Kingston set up for a pile driver, but he couldn't get Nero up. He tried to send Nero in the exposed turnbuckle, but the official got in the way. Um, with the official not looking, Nero low-blowed Eddie mm. Kingston, perhaps re- redeeming those nuts. And <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Hit a bicycle kick for the win. I thought this was a really good match. I think the ending left people a little sour with the low blow. I will say I did expect Lana, but I feel like because of this ending, we may be giving Kingston a New York moment pretty soon. Yes, 
Exactly. Yeah, what like, did you think? That that's that's what this this all set up for me is that mm-hmm. we showed that Eddie can go toe to toe with this dude. Like it was yeah. it was a glorious uh big man fight. Like I think like again, I, I and I said this on a couple shows last week. I never thought in 2021 that Eddie Kingston would be one of my favorite baby faces. Like the dude is just so relatable yeah. and you yeah. want to root for him. And I think there's no better stage for him than an Arthur Ashe Stadium to finally mm-hmm. overcome Miro, get this title. Like that's gonna be insane and so yeah like i i get why some people might have looked kind of funny at the finish but it all makes sense like it come on it, has tony khan taught you nothing folks like, tr- <laughs> trust the process man tony tony ain't gonna yeah. lead us wrong <laughs> yeah and i think that uh with ha- since crowds have just come back there's probably a little sense of like giving people their moment at the right time and chicago who ha- gets everything eddie kingston new york guy in Arthur Ashe in a tennis stadium. I mean, that would be amazing if he um, wins the TNT championship there. And now I feel more certain that that, that one's going to happen. But good match. And I'm, I'm kind of sold on it being the opener. Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a really good opener. I think even going back to the buy-in match, I think mm-hmm. that was a good way to kind of get the crowd started, get the crowd yeah. motivated. And then it just flowed into this match. And... Yeah, like this, nothing's gonna get these people excited more than some clubbering, as, as Dustin used to say. <laughs> and I, I thought it was a good way to start things. In terms of match placement, I do have a bit of an issue with what followed it because I right. kind of feel like they were almost mm-hmm. in the same lane. So, mm-hmm. but but in terms of just looking at this match with Kingston and Miro, I, I thought it was a great way to start the night. Yeah, well, let's get into the next match. It was John Moxley defeating. Kojima from New Japan Pro Wrestling and a New Japan dad, as they say. Um, and you're very right. This was very similar to what we saw with Neo and Eddie Kingston because this was a lot of um, hard hitting. These were hard hitting guys. Uh, we had we ended with Moxley. He had a headbutt, avoided a lariat, hit the paradigm shift, and then a second one for the win. And I do think that uh, Kojima felt like a letdown to a lot of people and I can see that because they were you know expecting Mm -hmm. Tanahashi and I do feel I feel sorry for anyone that's ever considered a letdown so Christian as well um but I think that this match it was the crowd seemed pretty into it though not really totally getting who this guy is but Mm -hmm. I had said on my preview that I thought that Moxley was going through a unofficial five labors to get to Tanahashi mm. and that this might be step one. And then after the match, talk about amazing theme tunes playing. We hear Kazanina Ray and Minoru Suzuki comes out. And I'm a huge Minoru Suzuki fan. So I was standing up. The crowd were chanting, holy shit. Moxley and Suzuki came face to face and they were hitting Four forearms, lariats, rear naked choke. Uh, and then he hit the Gotch-style pile driver and Moxley was laying. I thought this was super, super cool. Um, I feel bad for Kojima because I'm way more interested in Minoru Suzuki mm-hmm. coming out. So I thought, like, you did you did your job, Kojima. You, we had a match with you and the ending <laughs> was what we wanted. And the labors of Moxley, I think shall continue until he gets to Tanahashi, but it'll be yeah. hard to top Minoru Suzuki coming out there. Oh, 
like first of all, I love that idea, the labors <laughs> of Moxley. Uh, yeah. But I also love the idea of John Moxley kind of being this primer, kind of being this mm-hmm. educational tool for some of the audience to look back at the history of New Japan. Yes. Where we had the match with Nagata, and then we had Kojima, and and now we we got we we about to get Suzuki. Uh, Suzuki, like, like mm-hmm. the match itself was was fine. I yeah. I still have an issue with the placement because again, mm-hmm. I think it pales in comparison to what Eddie and Miro did. But it was fine. Uh, you know, Kojima was over to the extent he was going to be over. Like I think people yeah. appreciated him. Uh, yeah. You know, but. But then that, that post-match, like, that post-match was ridiculous. Like, again, going back to what we talked about at the top of the show, Stephanie, like, I, I gave you my $50, Tony Khan, expecting <laughs> CM Punk, expecting maybe a Daniel Bryan, expecting maybe a Adam Cole. But then you went on top of that, and you threw down some Minoru Suzuki. Like, mm-hmm. like TK, like, save your money, baby. Like, I, I was so, again, by myself, just screaming. For no reason, mm-hmm. like, like just the the thought of how we introduce people in this world of AEW wrestling is is very intriguing to me because yeah. we've seen debuts in other companies and it doesn't always go off so well. So mm-hmm. the fact that we were able to keep this a secret from a lot of people and and have this interaction and now you want to see that match between him and Moxley. My issues with the Kojima match aside, I thought this was a great segment. Yeah, I I love how AEW uses um, older stars because I love, I, I love I love my uh, older men, shall we say, uh, Minoru Suzuki being given some like give, being given the respect he deserves, presented as Minoru Suzuki, presented yep. as like this guy is proper dangerous. I love that so much. I'm so excited for that match. Uh, Kojima, as you said, uh, did the best. And you're totally right about the placement, though. You, you've you got, like, two hard-hitting, like, punch-each-other matches. But the first one had characters that were connected to and a storyline. And this one didn't have a storyline. Like, we have one guy that we are connected to and another guy that a lot of people aren't sure who he is. But, yeah, and I, I think that was kind of the problem here. It, it was – you were doing the same match, but – it yeah. just one, yeah, had the story, but you you cannot knock the post match because it was excellent, excellent. And and real quick, Steph, like I gotta give a, a tip of the cap to uh, Jr. Tony and Excalibur because I thought they were they, I thought they were on fire all night with their calls, yeah. and you know it's it's a part of the the show that I don't think a lot of people think about, mm-hmm. but a good announced team can elevate a show and a bad announced team can drag a show down. And I think yeah. like between what we actually saw in the ring, plus that crowd in that environment, plus Tony Jr. and Excalibur, like everybody was, was on firing on that a level and it just made the show even better for me. Yeah. I, I thought the announcing was um, very good during the show as well. They, they can have announcing um, slip ups yes. mainly from Jr. But I, I thought it was like best <laughs> behavior night night tonight for like for like, like Shivani saying the state of Chicago. I was like, come, come on, baby. <laughs> come on, Tony. <laughs> well, up next, we had our Women's World Championship. Dr. Britt Baker defeating Chris Statlander. Dr. Britt Baker had Rebel and Jimmy Hater with her. And Chris Statlander had Orange Cassidy, who kind of could do nothing but, like, look sad. Mm. <laughs> you know, when stuff was happening. Uh, we ended this with... Um, 
Baker climbing the ropes and basically hitting Adam Cole's Panama Sunrise, yep. um, call it the Pittsburgh Sunrise, followed by a curb stomp, near fall, and then a lockjaw for submission victory. What a wonderful tease of Adam Cole there, uh, her doing his move. And something that she kind of did a lot before uh, she became Dr. Britt Baker. I, when I went back and I watched All In um, mm-hmm. this week with SP3, it was very interesting that her pre-AW character was Adam Cole's girlfriend. They didn't think that was it, you know, doing all his chants, using his old entrance music. It yep. was it was funny. But I thought this was probably Baker's best match that didn't involve Thunder Rosa, is what mm. I would call it. Um, I think Chris Statlander's really improved. Um, I just think the only the only problem is Brit is great. People love Brit. Brit is a heel, and it is so hard to get um, a sympathetic, like, good challenger to go up against her. Maybe we're going to have that soon, though, uh, once, yes. once we get to another match. But a good adding from Brit and Chris as well. And, yeah, I think probably her best non-Thunder Rosa match. I would tend to agree. Like, I thought it was a really strong match. Uh, you know, Statlander has just improved leaps and bounds over the last mm-hmm. year. I, I Like, the spot where... Uh, we like just the strength of Chris yeah. Statlander. Like they they had like some, you know, big man, big woman spots for Chris. And I was like, okay. Oh, so, so you strong, strong men. And yeah. just like the, the elephant in the room though, is the reaction. And I think it has been an issue. Like, I think it, it hurt that red velvet match that they had uh, mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago. It didn't hurt this match as much. Cause I do think by the end of it, the crowd was behind Chris Statlander, but you alluded to it, Stephanie. Like they they do have two pretty popular baby faces waiting in the wings right now mm-hmm. for Brit. That I think I'm interested to see what that reaction is gonna be like when yeah. we eventually get to those matchups. Cause that that'll be the test for me of how how popular Brit is in comparison to you know her heelish ways, shall we say. I feel like um, when it, Red Velvet was her challenger in Pittsburgh, uh, that's I didn't think that was a really good idea because I knew that Red Velvet wasn't wasn't going to get like anyone behind spot. her. And um, Red Velvet, I have never seen a wrestler put in more bad spots than Red Velvet, like in my life, because her problem, like, it's just that. Every match that Red Velvet's in, every big match that they give her, and then, you know, people will say, oh, Red Velvet got this spot amazing. But I'm like, every big spot she's ever been given is not about her. It's about Jake Cargill. It's about Mm -hmm. Britt Baker. It's um, about Jimmy Hitter. And adding to that, like, it seems then she can't develop any character or anything herself because she's always in this match where Mm. she's not the one being focused on. And it's kind of... Uh, just like an un, an unfair like career trajectory to be like a, a, always the bridesmaid, and it does seem I think in recent weeks that she's kind of playing more into just being a heel because even gosh even this week on the taping she goes up against a Sky Blue that's from yeah. Chicago. People love her, and then Red Velvet once again ends up like in a match with someone where. It's their match and like it's their moment. And but I had thought when they chose Red Velvet that the best challenger would have been Chris Statlander, who's actually like a, a very baby face and her best friend's mm-hmm. connection. But even Statlander, I think, wasn't enough to to like take the crowd away at all from from Dr. Britt Baker. 
No, it, it's gonna it's gonna have to be Ruby or Thunder. Like those are the two that I think you can actually have that good heel face dynamic with. And and yeah, like real quick on Red Velvet, like I if I was Red Velvet, I would be on, on the camera like Tyrese. Like, what more do you want from me, man? Like, I'm, I'm out here doing my best, but they just put me in these spots that are not beneficial. Uh, yes. But, and, and that leads to a point that I'll talk about later on when we get to the women's uh, casino battle royale. Uh, mm-hmm. Just in general with the way uh, AW kind of presents its women uh, from time to time. Yeah. Uh, we have another another super chat from Easy Attack here. He says, Nit, you know good and damn well that the Flight of the Valkyries so so deaf remix of Flight of the Valkyries <laughs> remix was buying. Uh yeah, so that's what we need when when we when they go to Arthur Ass, just Daniel Bryan and Jermaine Dupree. Just so so <laughs> deaf. Just Flight of the Valkyries. Let's let's get it. Let's let's do that. <laughs> Thank you again, Easy. <laughs> There's um I, I definitely need to listen to this uh, the new Brian theme like in isolation. It's so weird. Know like, I think of it. <laughs> the first thirty seconds are like traditional flight of the yeah. Valkyrie. Then all of a sudden, just the beat drops, and it's like, okay, like is Daniel Bryan hanging out at the club? Like, what's what's going on here? But again, like nobody cared because we were just happy to see this man Brian Danielson back on our TV screen. <laughs> I've never been exactly sure what music type of music Daniel Bryan likes because mm. it's always said that he uh, did not like the final countdown. Like as a song, it wasn't his kind of thing. So I yeah. can't imagine it, like that's kind of more on the the lines of like my kind of thing. And I can't imagine that being Daniel Bryan's kind of thing. He's yeah. a Seattle guy, so I could yep. imagine you know like a grunge and no sound you know, the way he dresses. You know, like I can imagine that being his type of thing, but. I guess not. Maybe his type of thing is what we heard. Uh, what we heard yeah, yeah, Daniel, Daniel Bryan loves Migos, Future, <laughs> Travis Scott. Like, y'all don't know about this man, Brian Danielson. Y'all don't know the real DBD. This brother got a playlist longer than Tony Khan's bank account. Well, I think I think we are going to be learning the real, the real Daniel, Daniel Bryan. <laughs> I can't say it. If we, if we can ever figure out his name. Brian. <laughs> Mr. Bryan. Yes, Mr. Bryan, sir. (laughs) Well, up next, we have the match that I think from like a pure match standpoint, everyone's talking about. We have the Tag Team Championship Steel Cage Match. The Lucha Bros defeating the Young Bucks to win the titles. The Young Bucks finally dethroned. They give a great entrance to the Lucha Bros here. They got a a proper entrance. Um, I'll probably um, mess this up, but we had... Muelas de Gallo performing their entrance theme and they had like a lot of extras like dancing they came out yep. and just looking cool it looked big time and the only thing that took away from it looking big time for me was Alex Abriantes just because uh, I still don't think he's cool enough for the group I just don't think he's cool enough for the group you know but he he he, he weaseled his way into that one there was so many massive like spots in this match um that is like impossible to go through like them at all Pedro was so busted up there was a shoe yeah. thrown in by brandon cutler that had thumbtacks on the soles. Jays. <laughs> that was that was really really um cool i think for anyone it was probably a good justification of why we've been hearing about shoes so much from the young bucks for so long 
Uh, there was just great, like, great cage spots. Phoenix uh, did a crazy cross body from the top. Uh, the Lucha Bros, they won with their assistant pal driver. Blood, like, everywhere. As you said at the start, there was a lovely moment with the Lucha Bros celebrating with their family at the end. I had never thought of these two men as dads, or I'd never had the thought of what if one of the Lucha Bros was mm -hmm. my dad. Uh, it was so nice to see them with their family. It was just really 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 great it was a crazy crazy match i would have to watch um again and think about whether it's my favorite young bucks aw match i think it is better than their first match together uh the mm -hmm. latter match which i thought was was awesome at the time but this match god help everything following this match they had to put it somewhere yeah. on the card that's the thing about the card it's like this would be the one where you're like yeah we gotta put this somewhere but it's it's tough, but yeah, what did you think, man, of this one? This was easily the match of the night for me, Steph. Like, I mm -hmm. thought that, you know, this this reminded me of a lot of those NWA cage matches from, like, the late 80s. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, one of my favorite tag team cage matches of all time, going back to TNA, you know, that Triple X, America's Most Wanted, where Elix Skipper does the cage walk. Like, this, mm -hmm. this was on that level, probably even a little bit higher. Like, this was just a great match from a team in the Lucha brothers that have been having great matches. Like that's all they do. They fall out of bed and have a five-star match, Stephanie mm -hmm. and the young bucks. Like I think the young bucks are kind of uh, divisive. I guess I use that word uh, in terms of the fandom, but you can't knock their talent, man. And yeah. I thought all four guys, not only, not only did we get the crazy spots that we knew we were going to get, but we had genuine moments of storytelling. Like mm -hmm. when they had the Jordans with the thumbtacks on and they're getting ready to super kick uh, Phoenix and Penta gets in front of him and sacrifices himself for his yeah. brother. Like, that's a great moment. You know, the moment where, like you said, that they, they dive off at the top of the cage, like the moment where they're going around chopping and super kicking each other in rotation and then they reverse the rotation like a game of Uno. Like, that was crazy. Uh, and then for them to actually pull the trigger, because I was one of the people that thought the Bucks were going to retain. You know, that was my yes, prediction going into the night. But looking back now, like they made the complete right choice. And and again, man, just seeing the emotion after the match and the fact that they get they let it breathe, you know, this because if this was TNA, they would have cut it after 30 seconds. But they gave them a good five minutes to just soak this in. And the moment where Pent is hugging his daughter, I was just like, man, like this, this is this is what wrestling is about. It's about creating an emotional connection through your storytelling through this, you know, athletic theater. And that's yeah. what, what the Lucha brothers and, and the Bucks did. And this was just an amazing match. And it, it gets me excited for what's to come. Cause I know like if, if you got the Lucha brothers with these belts out here, there's, there's lots of teams that, that, that could be in contention, Stephanie, but I'm mm -hmm. waiting for them to renew that Lucha brothers, Santana and Ortiz feud. Cause that's going to be crazy. Uh, I um, my thought that the Young Bucks would win was based on me wanting Santana and Ortiz to win mm -hmm. in New York. Uh, that's what I wanted. Right. But I, I wonder if, you know, when we talk about the women's division, we talk about Britt Baker, everything is like Britt Baker focused and it's hard to imagine anyone taking the title offer. And I've kind of felt that way about the, the Young Bucks because mm. they're in the elite storyline with Kenny. 
But if you look at like the past pay-per-view um, contenders they've had, they had Jericho and Moxley, which was uh, Jericho and MJF, sorry, which was a like not real tag team. And I'd argue that Moxley and Kingston were a not real tag team either. And you've had these tag teams like Santana and Ortiz and the Lucha Bros that you've been just kind of waiting to be focused yep. on. So that's why I was just so surprised that they just did it. Like a, a match that wasn't, there wasn't a clear storyline build in it you know they won a tournament the young bucks we know are just cheaters but there wasn't <laughs> anything properly like going on between them because really like the lich bros storyline was just andrade trying to tell them that Pac was using them so nothing like to do with this <laughs> it was a story <laughs> built around travel issues like <laughs> yeah yeah but really cool and i'm so happy for them and i think that maybe them taking the belts will give us a chance to see some other tag teams be elevated young bucks are always going to be there they're always probably going to be on top as like the main tag team because i mean they they help run the company but it'd be nice to see other people Santana and ortiz maybe private party could finally get rid of matt hardy if they get a storyline <laughs> but you know it, i think it's really good i think it, it's something that will open up the division uh, more the young bucks were extremely gracious at the beginning of this company not taking the belts right away yeah. um but we we have had quite the run of them w with the belts against kind of more single stars people and this is really good to see the lich bros get this moment and and the fact that like you said stephanie like this might have been better than that match a couple years ago and mm -hmm. they had the confines of a cage and to be so creative with their spots and like man like Ray Phoenix might be the best high flyer in the world. Like let's let's be yeah. real when we talk about this man Phoenix, because like his comeback was just like I'm excited for the comeback and like so, mm -hmm. yeah, this was a great match. Like do yourself a favor if you missed it, man. Get go, go ahead and get Tony Khan at fifty dollars for this replay, man. Because because you gonna get your money's worth. And this to me was the highlight of the night in terms of match quality stuff. Yeah, and how do you follow it? Um, in WWE style, you follow it with women. I had, I had emotions when I saw that. I was like, mm, I don't, I don't know if I like this. Yeah, yeah. So let's find out who who was in this. We had the clubs: Hikarashita, Sky Blue, who, as we said earlier, she got um, a spot after having a great reaction uh, from the crowd in the match against Red Velvet. Emi Sakurai, the Bunny, and Abaddon. I feel like I haven't seen her in a long time. Yeah, it's uh, been a minute. The, it has. The Diamonds. I can't say I missed her, though, but the Diamonds. <laughs> we got Anna Jay, who, of course, returned uh, this week. Kira Hogan, uh, new to the company. Kalen King, Diamante, and Nyla Rose. Hearts, Thunder Rosa, Penelope Ford, Rio, Jimmy Heater, and Big Swole. And then the Speeds, Ty Conte, Red Velvet, Layla Hirsch, Jade Cargill and Rebel. And of course, the Joker was Ruby Soho, mm -hmm. the former Ruby Riot, who I thought had done a wonderful job of building herself up. When she first got released, she, I, I mean, of course, it was, you're going to feel like super sad. But the, the way that she was kind of tweeting, like, I don't know really like what name I'm going to take and stuff like that. It it just seemed like, like someone that was 
super, super down about it when so many people were, her colleagues were saying how like great she was. Mm -hmm. And then I just like this little idea that she came up with, with making these videos, deciding to take the Ruby Soho rancid name. Um, and then like really going with that with these great videos of her being the runaway, she called it, with what would her destination be? Yeah. Coming out in a freaking cool punk jacket that's a destination <laughs> aw in the back i popped huge for that because uh a i, I love punk and b i love jackets so <laughs> this is like for me she oh she had a sex pistols patch and all of it i loved it but she, that was just a great way to introduce her like another great debut but as far yeah. as the actual match went i thought it was fine it's maybe like the best I can say for it. I think that Ruby's introduction got the crowd really back up because she had a great reception. She said afterwards she'd never heard people cheer for her um, mm -hmm. like that. So that was lovely. And I think you kind of needed that because we all need it to like calm down a bit after the last match like we really did but it is unfortunate to be calming down like during the women's match because they don't get enough spotlight. Yep. Um, the person I was most interested in to see as far as how they would um, leave the battle world was Jade Cargill. I didn't think she'd win. I thought she'd be eliminated by Nala Rose, and she was. So kind of predictable there. But we got down to Soho, um, <clears throat> Rose, and Thunder Rosa. Um, they basically teamed up with Nala Rose, and she got then eliminated. And I thought we just had some great, like, apron spot. It reminded me of the first mm -hmm. Women's Royal Rumble uh, between Soho and Rosa. And Rosa went for a Death Valley, Death Valley driver. Soho fought out, said Rosa to turnbuckle. Um, Gamagiri followed to eliminate Thunder Rosa. And nice moment with Ruby Rose winning. But, Nate, tell us your thoughts on the placement and uh, everything that went in. <laughs> to this one and the eliminations go for it i feel like you've got some strong thoughts yeah i got some thoughts so again like everybody watching like direct your comments to me at nate mosaic leave stephanie out of this these are my opinions uh but i think for all the good that aw has done and they've done a lot of good man and i will praise this show that we just watched up and down mm -hmm. but the two holes that i've seen consistently in their game is number one the way that we utilize female talent in this promotion where we can only seem to focus on one person at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think that's got to change. And the other thing, you know, of course, being one of the hosts of the Nubian wrestling advocates, like the main event scene is really monochromatic, Stephanie, to use a, a turn of phrase. And, and so like, those are two things I need to see this company work on. Like they've come so far mm -hmm. in the last two or three years, but I think they can still be even better. If they tighten up women's division and let's get some more color in that main event scene. So that brings it back to this match. I was not thrilled with the placement of this match. Obviously, yeah. it ended up working out in the end because of, you know, Ruby being the winner. Uh, so, like, it, it, it kind of like the Moxley match. Like, I don't know if I like the placement, but at the end of the day, we got where we needed to get. Is but, there a match, a specific one you would have swapped it with? I may, maybe would have swapped it with the Moxley match, actually. Mm, that's not a bad idea. But I, here's the other thing, because I think with this match specifically, the gimmick is way too convoluted, man. It, it, it is. It's like they, they all some Vince Russo stuff. Let's be real with it, man. You got all these cards and suits. and yeah. it, it just has never worked for me, the concept 
of the the you know Casino Royale Battle Royal. Like it just has never worked for me. I think there's a cleaner way to do this to tell the story. Like even if you want to incorporate the the whole card uh, motif, like there's a way. Like maybe you assign slots in the Rumble in the Battle Royal based on what cards they draw. Like okay, like and we still have the Joker show up as our surprise, but. Like I feel like the women didn't get enough time for shine when they came out, and it was just like we're just running through eliminations, man. Like yeah. uh, your girl Sky Blue, like they they did yeah. a whole big deal about you know the hometown girl and Tony Khan's like, hey, you want to be in the battle royal? And she, I don't even remember when she got eliminated. You know, it was like, like seconds after she came in. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it was like after she, like she was just smiling and posing and got yeah flew over the rope. Like come on, man. Uh, but I I think that. You know, you read off that list of names, Stephanie. Like, there's so much talent in this mm-hmm. division. So it's not a matter of not having the talent anymore. It's a matter of what are we going to do to put these women in the best position to succeed? Like, Dynamite should not only have, like, it should be more than one women's match a week. Like, let's let's be real yeah. with it. Yeah. And so, like, this, this match was equally frustrating. This match was as frustrating as it was exciting by the time we got to the end. Because yeah. seeing Ruby come out, I was like, okay, this is great. Like, I'd never heard the song before. Uh, my playlist is not as deep as Brian Danielson, so I hadn't heard the song before. But I dug the song. I dug, like, just looking at her face when she walks out. Again, going back to Adam Cole, it's like freedom. It's like, this yeah. is where I belong, you know? And and so to see her and Thunder Rosa, like, I love me some Thunder Rosa. Like, and so the fact that they were the last two, you have two perfectly viable candidates to challenge Britt. It made sense to uh, give Ruby the win, but like they, they, there's no excuses anymore. I guess is what I'll say, Stephanie. Like in the first year, it's like okay, you're kind of finding your feet. I, I get it, man. Give you the benefit of the doubt. But now with all this talent, it's like come on now, y'all got to do right by these women, man, because because it's so so many great talented performers that we saw in this match. And at the end of the day, you only remember two of them. Yeah, um, I think that there is always just one women's storyline like that's what they suffer from it is like mm-hmm. the Brit Baker division um I find that the use of Jade Cargill like very interesting obviously she's brought in like a really a big position um she was in that storyline which was kind of still Shaq's storyline though we didn't see him come out uh, on Dynamite but obviously like he was going to be the person that people were like talking about and focusing on but then I've I've thought that because she is pretty green that she should just be like used uh, a lot more like in squash matches and stuff and maybe like use her to build up a storyline but she doesn't seem to ha- have been really given one other than having Mark Sterling as her manager. Uh, I feel like this thing with Nyla is an attempt to give her a storyline. And if Jade Cargill and Ny- Nyla Rose end up having a actual storyline going forward, it may be the first time that we've had t- two women's storylines happening at once, depending <laughs> on, like, on if Britt and Ruby then get a storyline. But yeah, the women... There's definitely not enough matches for them on Dynamite. They seem to use them a lot on Dark and Elevation, but you can't kid yourself on who's watching those matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the same audience at all. And yet they do they do just need to do more with how they balance things out. And the positioning of this was not good. They are 
so lucky that they had someone to come out here that people are really behind because I think a lot of people are probably taking a breather at this point when this match started. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. Like, again, like no match would have been able to follow that tag match. Like, that was an unenviable position for any match, but you certainly don't want to do this to the women. When, like, the AEW folks, man, they're, they're cognizant of what people say about the product. You know, they're, they're yeah. aware of some of the critiques and the criticisms that people have had. So, you know, like, your women's division has been one of those sore spots. And so I just felt it was a mistake to put this match here. But again, like at the end of the day, we're all happy that Ruby's in and, and, yeah. and we're excited for that Britt Baker matchup. So, you know, again, to, to, Tony Khan, even when he's doing wrong, he does no wrong. The man stays with yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Next, we had Chris Jericho and MJF, the possible final match of, of Chris Jericho. This is uh, the end of his storyline with MJF here. He went through five labors. Uh, a bit like what I think Moxley is going through. Mm. We had two interesting entrances here. So we had MJF Love with this. the countdown come down. Obviously, you all know what I'm like. I, of course, mocked out for this. It took me <laughs> about four seconds to realize that, no, this is going to be MJF. And I, I like got off up off my chair, you know, being like, oh, my gosh. We did a countdown entrance for Chris. Then, like three seconds in, it just hit me. This will be MJF, and I sat back down. <laughs> I sat back down, and I was like, "Oh, the the audacity of this man!" Loved it. Uh, it was so good. <laughs> it was so so good to like recreate that and just come up Jericho's last match. Really, really cool. Jericho's entrance. Um, he had his mm. guitarist from Fozzie. This, uh, I don't think that this landed because um, it is no. easier to sing along with well not sing along but to sing with no music the song that it is with the guitar that the guitar sounds like it but not a hundred percent you know mm -hmm. like there's something where you like you need like the full band and this yes. is coming like this coming from someone that like led a Judas sing along that night where me the worst singer in the world like I sang into the microphone throughout the whole song and and then afterwards I realized I probably just ex like totally ruined everyone's experience um during the party but this it was a choice and I think that he he was very successful in getting people to do the the no Judas Judas sing along I think this was just trying like another thing but I just don't think this this landed no. because the I, as someone that can never understand when people don't know the words to Judas, listening to this crowd <laughs> sing it, like they they did not know what place they should be in, like at all, and they were missing it, uh, and it just didn't hit. But the MJF thing was really really cool. Yeah. So, and it's no disrespect to the guitarist, like you know, he yeah, yeah, yeah. Job, but it's like, yeah. I think somebody put it best on Twitter last night when I was looking at the reaction to it. It's like Judas is is like all about like the drive like it's not specifically yeah. like a product guitar solo and no. so like and then you have to worry about like delays and timing and all of that yeah. stuff and so it just didn't hit in the way i think jericho thought it was gonna hit honestly no. i i my favorite judas entrance so far has been the one i think a year ago maybe two years ago now when he had the choir like yes. i thought the that was great. fantastic so mm -hmm. i i would have been i would have been cool if he brought the choir back for his last match quote unquote 
Uh, I, I agree. I think his best entrance has been the choir one. Uh, they were certainly needed to, to lead the singing uh, here. But, uh, the match itself, I really enjoyed uh, this match. Uh, the audacity as well of MJF to go for a code breaker. Uh, yeah. That's my favorite move. And I just couldn't believe he, he did it. I actually, at the, at, when that happened, said, oh, my God, I can't believe MJF went for the code breaker. That's my favorite move. And Anthony Agogo looked at me and said, your favorite move is the code breaker? <laughs> Um, and I said, yes, it is. <laughs> but we had, um, we did eventually get the, the, the seconds coming down here. Wardlow and Jake Hager were brawling. This uh, distracted the official that MJF used Jericho's bat, Floyd, uh, to hit him. And then he hit a Judas effect. Again, the audacity. Um, and... We got a one, two, three, but Jericho had his foot on the ropes. And but we had like full MJF music playing celebration. And then we had an official come down um, who said that he saw Jericho's foot on the ropes. So they restarted the match uh, with Jericho. He rolled up MJF for near fall. MJF turned into salt of the earth. Jericho rolled him up again and then turned it into a walls of Jericho that I think he was trying to do um like more of a line, line tamer but it kind of ended in in a waltz um and then mjf tapped out this ending actually not all the shenanigans but i thought that he was going to win with the walls uh, mm -hmm. i did at least call that and that mjf would tap out i never doubted that this that jericho was winning this i honestly thought there was no way he was having his last match on a pay-per-view with like CM Punk returning and all that kind of stuff. I just didn't see this being like goodbye. I, I thought the match was very, very good. Probably my second favorite of the night, like for me. Uh, what did you think of this false finish ending? And did you did you buy into it? I thought it was a really clever finish because it, mm -hmm. it kind of gave you the best of both worlds. You know, it, yeah. it was, you know, he's on that dusty finish type of level, you know, and, yeah. and I think Unlike you, Steph, like I actually thought, I actually thought there was a chance that MJF could win outright going into this yeah. show. Because as much as you know, there is value for Jericho as an in-ring performer, I do think there, like you could make the argument there was value in giving that big of a prize to MJF mm -hmm. going forward. You know, he's yeah. he's the kid that's gonna be going forward versus you know, grown ass man Chris Jericho, who's maybe got a couple years left. Mm -hmm. And so I thought there was merit to the idea at least of giving MJF this big win, but the way they played it out again, the way there was so much good storytelling on this show. And I thought, you know, the, the fact that we're, you know, bringing out uh, the, the inner circle and, and bringing out, you know, uh, uh, MJF's boys, like it, it worked and it, it gave Jericho a, a great feel good win without yeah. diminishing MJF, which I yeah. think is the, the best part about it. And, Going back to the interest of MJF, man, like this, this dude is so good, man. Like I so good. Very much, he very much fits in with that, like the frat boy, uh, the the smarmy frat boyness uh that, that we saw with uh the, the elite earlier, but mm -hmm. it's it's even more obnoxious with, with, with this man Maxwell. So I'm I'm excited to see what the next chapter is for him, man, because he's the dude that you could immediately spin off into programs yeah. with anybody man and and i think like there's money in uh like mjf just being this really dastardly heel who 
just causes chaos uh, on, on this yeah. show. MJF, he truly gets heat. I mean, I think AEW fans, um, we are very happy to play along with uh, with the booking and a lot of people get booed we're we're all like we're booing them to play along mjf gets people actually actively disliking him um uh because he's just so good at getting heat and yeah the entrance is a great little troll bit at the beginning uh i i did like the finish and i think that mjf he still gets a bit of, of bragging rights and he can kind of contest that. But I do hope that as much as I've enjoyed this feud, I think it's been a really good example of AEW long-term storytelling and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it's over now. Um, I think this is it, unless they want to like pick it up two, three years down the line. But I think this is it for now. And I do see MJF moving on to bigger and better things. I think he'd be a great opponent um, for Punk because yep. Punk has been... That feud with Darby was, of course, built up on respect um mm-hmm. and you know that he's he's happy punk is happy right now uh mjf is like a perfect guy to kind of bring him back to like old angry punk because he'll yes. just like piss him off <laughs> and M- mjf has so much fodder right now to be yes. upset about right because like all these old dudes in his eyes are coming in and taking his his spot yeah so like yeah. he could he could go at punk he could go mm-hmm. at, at brian danielson like there's, there's like there's so much potential in this company right now from a storytelling perspective i'm really excited for it man yeah me too uh yeah it's gonna be interesting to see like what they do with him and i also think it'll be interesting to see what the future of the inner circle is um because i think that now this storyline with mjf is over Mm -hmm. so we think it might be a good time for jericho to for the inner circle storyline to be about like someone else so if you were to get yep. Santana and Ortiz and heat them up um you can still have like Jericho involved like even like out there with them whatever but the inner circle storyline like moves on to like focuses where another part of it gets the main storyline and Santana and Ortiz would be good for that uh, as with Sammy uh, I'm not going to be he, bold enough, enough to say he, that Jake needs a storyline but he, <laughs> he needs to he needs to take a page Jericho needs to take a page out of that man calls things playbook and be a good wrestling mm-hmm. dad man like <laughs> St- Sting wasn't out here trying to take Darby shine Sting wasn't out here cutting all the promos thing was out there being a good supportive wrestling dad so that's what jericho needs to be for for proud and powerful and for sammy and maybe hager but uh like be, be the wrestling dad for the inner circle now jericho uh be the wrestling dad that is absolutely the best thing he like the him and sammy i think have awesome chemistry especially yeah. when you see them doing um candid stuff they're so good together i want him to be more of a dad to sammy it was very dad like when we had that whole thing where mjf came into the inner circle and like sammy walked out but yeah if we could get oh my gosh maybe one day we'll get darby versus sammy with the with the dads in the corner (laughs) if that much happens that will be the most torn you have ever seen me if sting and jericho are in uh opposite corners and Oh, you could even book that though to, to like eventually lead into a match between them just because they haven't had a singles match. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Uh, I love it. Uh, I love the thing, the like with stuff. this company. Like I, I trust this company to be able to pull that story off, Stephanie. Yeah. Like they haven't given me reason to doubt that they could find a compelling story with with those characters and then pay it off in a match with Sting and Jericho and make me believe in that match. Mm-hmm. And I will never 
dislike a company that takes care of Sting and AW are the first to do it in a long time. Yes. <laughs> well, that um that is a good segue into the next match, which is CM Punk and Darby Allen. CM yeah. Punk, seven years. First, first question on the fashion. What did you think of the tights? <laughs> Oh, Phil, did you expect tights of all things? No, I was expecting the old school trunks, but but again, Stephanie, we got to be realistic when we're looking at these people, man. Like, mm -hmm. Phil Brooks is, is 43, 42, somewhere in there. My man yeah. said, I'm not going to be out here on national TV with my thigh meat <laughs> all exposed, my, my, my shins and my ankles all out there, man. I'm going to put on some pants like a dignified adult. And so, <laughs> like, I think it... It, it was a bit odd. It took a little bit getting used to, Stephanie. But yeah. now going back and looking at this, like I went back and looked at the uh, card this morning, uh, particularly, mm -hmm. you know, the, the tag match and Punk versus Darby. And it works for me. Like, it works for this version of CM Punk. Like, it fits. Yes. Like, he's still the same dude, but, like, time doesn't stand still. And so this guy's character shouldn't stand still either. No, I love the tights. I'm a huge advocate for tights. I love a man in tights. I am. I lit. I just think that tights look better. Uh, I, it was dark days when Jericho wore trunks for all that period. Like tights for me is the way to go. Uh, I just think they look better, and I'll always yeah. like. Like I, I don't know. Like the wrestlers that I seem to mostly like wrestlers that wear long tights, and I thought they were really cool. He had his uh, Chicago colors on them, not like. 100% sold design-wise. Um, I was watching this with Benno, who was very against the light blue man, on the Benno. black. Good man, Benno, indeed. He thought he thinks light blue and black doesn't uh, work together very well. Um, I would have said no kick pads, though. There, there was a lot of like bulkiness at the bottom there that uh, was a little strange looking. But people were shocked at the tights. That was the yeah. most shocking thing he could have done was come out in like it, for a it's, long it's time. It's the first iteration, folks. Like it's it's kind of yeah. like the Marvel movies. Like Steve Rogers' first suit in the Avengers was a little like that, that wasn't hitting. It was all garish and bright. But by the time we got to Captain America Winter Soldier, Steve Rogers was looking right. So I feel like mm -hmm. this was just the first iteration of AW Punk, Stephanie. And like the next time we see them, like they're gonna tinker with the look, but yeah. for the for the first time out on this big show. Like, I, I think it worked. I think it worked for him. Mm -hmm. uh, Romeo, True Heel Heat, my pal, uh, to answer your yeah. question, I have two hands, so uh, both of them. I'm going to try to save Jericho, but, but you know, it's like... You're definitely saving Sting. <laughs> if all, all right, all things being equal, man, I got to stay save that man called Sting. That, that man is, is a national treasure and should be protected at all costs. Well, into the match, I think that this match was a lot more, like, less daredevil-y than people mm. expected. I think, like, when you say Darby Allen, you think you're going to get some, like, crazy shit. And there is a lot of uh, technical stuff. Like, as you were saying about the tights, this is an older uh, CM Punk. And he did wrestle like an older CM Punk. I thought he looked great. But um, he did, like, it looked like he was trying to out out wrestle a kid who's more known for like the the mm -hmm. crazy crazy bumps uh but he ended up hitting like when alan went on his shoulders uh he hit a crazy good gts for the win and then we had of course 
the man called Sting coming out and shaking Punk's hand. There were people I was watching this with that were like, hit him, all, all this sort of stuff. I was like, no, I like friendship. And I wanted just a handshake at the end of this. I didn't want anyone to do anything horrible. Uh, Sting, great dad as usual, helping up Darby. Uh, it was wonderful. I thought Punk, he did the best performance that I thought he could have because mm-hmm. First match back, just like the tights being the first iteration, you know, he's got to, it's got to take him some time to ease in. And I think he made the right choices as far as what he could pull off here. Yeah, I really dug this match. Uh, I think that the storytelling, again, I, I've said that word a few times today, Stephanie, like mm-hmm. the storytelling in this match where you've got this young kid trying to prove himself against this hero. And then you got this older dude who's trying to show this young kid that he still got it. And just the tug, the tug of styles where Darby's yeah. trying to pick up the pace, Punk's trying to keep things a little bit more grounded. Like so many great little moments in this match, like the moment where Darby goes for the coffin drop. And Punk yeah. just sits up, man. Like he's sitting up in, in, at five in the morning, waking up, getting ready to go work out. And just mm-hmm. the look on his face, like I got the kid. And then Darby, you know, hits him with the crucifix. Like so many great sequences. I think that if if we're grading this in terms of like technical acumen, like no, this wasn't the greatest punk match ever, but emotionally, yeah. like I had a smile on my face this entire match, the entire 15, 16 minutes, however long it was. I thought it was a great return for punk, and it, it was a great match that gave Darby uh, a rub, gave Darby some shine, and even in defeat, Darby comes out bigger because yes. of this. And then, like you said, that moment at the end where, like in 2021, we got Sting and CM Punk giving each other yeah. depth in the ring. And and how dare somebody suggest that, that Punk should have hit Sting, man? Because even in Chicago, I think the fans would have been like, oh, no. holy, you're going too far now, Phil. Leave that man alone. But but <laughs> just the like this was just great. And I think going to our conversation earlier about where this match could have ended, I think yeah. had we not had our surprises at the end of the show, mm-hmm. this would have been a perfectly acceptable main event and a, a good way to send that crowd home happy. Placement wise, um, I so I thought this this was going to go on second last. Obviously, we'll talk about the next uh, match, which real main event. This this <laughs> match, um, putting it on after Jericho MJF, I thought was was very good. This match could have followed anything though because it's it's what everyone was waiting for, so that didn't yep. matter. When I was putting the idea of the the card together in my head. I did not go for the traditional, like, you need a buffer match between two big matches at the end thing. So when I heard that we still had QT and Big Show to go, I thought, wow, (laughs) that is a choice. That is a choice. But people do need to get their popcorn uh, before the the concessions close, I guess. But, yes, on CM Punk, great return. Speaking of returns, Paul White next. Tall Paul in the building, ladies and gentlemen. Tall Paul. A feud set up about Tony Schiavone's son, apparently. Um, There is nothing I hate more than when sons get attacked in front of their dads in wrestling. Um, It makes me feel very sorry for everyone involved. And I just, I think it's too sad and it makes me <laughs> like I find it hard to then take the the sun seriously after that like just because of the presentation um because 
obviously you're not going to do this with a child, but to do this with an adult, I think kind of makes it all like look more pathetic or something. Yes. I just, I just can't like, I can't deal. Uh, then, then we had like a, a terrible dynamite segment when <laughs> we saw x-rays of Paul White, which I, I just did not understand why we did this, but this match uh, went three minutes and two seconds, which mm. I felt was three minutes too long because I thought <laughs> I thought this man was going to knock him out. And instead we got we got actual like some wrestling yeah. going on. And it turned out that the choke slam was the main thing, which I just thought was kind of underwhelming. I thought it was going to be a knockout. As I said before, I, I was thinking about Anthony Gogo and obviously he wasn't there. But this, yeah, this was way too long at three minutes and two seconds. <laughs> Look, St Stephanie Chase, let me tell you why I call this man QT Marshall, the <laughs> ultimate finesse. Because not only did this man secure the bag and get a pay-per-view payday, mm -hmm. but he got a pay-per-view payday on what might go down <laughs> as one of the best North American pay-per-views in wrestling history. Yeah. QT Marshall did that, folks. Yeah. Like this, this match didn't need to be there. Like I, I got no, no beef with QT. Like uh, you know, the, the man serves a purpose in this yeah. company. Uh, like, it, like if I had my wish, like QT would be kind of like the big boss on Dark and Elevation. Like, he's the gatekeeper. Like, you got to get past QT to get on that TNT stage. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, this, this match, man. Like, you heard. Like, and this is the first time, I think, all night where you heard the crowd try to force themselves to be invested yes. in yes. something. They're like, go, go, Paul White. I guess we, <laughs> we cheer Paul. for Paul. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, nobody. And again, like, for, for Paul White, like, I think – there's value in him, Stephanie, even in the in-ring mm -hmm. capacity. There can be value with yeah. Paul White. I don't know if this was maximizing that value because nobody no. was interested in this. Like, nobody was excited about this. You know, people have been dunking on this match since it was first announced for the pay-per-view. Like, it, it didn't need to be here, especially it didn't need to be in between your two biggest segments, your two hottest segments. Yeah. Of the night. Like I, I'm I'm with you. Like I don't believe we need this cool down period. Like if we hot, let's keep let's stay hot. Yeah. Let's let's keep mm -hmm. let's keep rolling. And this was like an immediate pause in the action for three minutes and two seconds that we will we will never get back in our lives, Stephanie. We we can't rewind the clock and get that time back. So shout out to QT Marshall for being the ultimate finesse this man goes down in the history books when you review this show there's gonna be people stepping 35 years from now 40 <laughs> 50 years from now sitting where we sitting right now reviewing mm -hmm. aw all out 2021 and they're gonna have to spend five minutes which is longer than the match talking about qt marshall and paul white so whatever you want to say about qt that man knows how to finesse knows how to worm his way into history so i gotta salute yeah. that brother <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not a qt hitter uh i i think he's one of the most interesting like people i've i've interviewed because of all the work he does but yeah. man like this to me was just not not the place for him um no. what I, I don't know what qt's role in the company should be i i maybe think it should just be one of cody's boys because the angle they tried to execute with him turning on cody did not work. Um, and then obviously the Cody stuff got passed on to a go-go, but 
it it did not work. There were not enough people like invested in the friendship between QT and Cody for him to turn. And then it all ended up a, a mess where QT didn't matter anymore. And then once we had like a go-go take the, I, I did ask when I interviewed QT, I, I asked him, was it, was this always all set up for, for a go-go to get that spot? And his answer was, I think in Tony's mind, yes. So- <laughs> for being honest (laughs) yeah absolutely um yeah i just don't think like any of that worked out for him because he's like still persisting with having a a faction and all this happened despite the cody stuff despite him not being like the main man uh going up against cody in the end he persists um paul white i very much enjoy his laid-back commentary uh on elevation i don't know I don't really want to see him wrestle more, but there's a there's a spot for him in the company, but yeah. it was not on pay-per-view with QT Marshall uh, <laughs> after one of the most anticipated matches in the past decade and before a world championship. That, that just shows you, Stephanie Chase. Like, you know, that just shows you the 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 gall that Tony Khan has. This man TK. Yeah. Uncle Tony, Uncle TK, money bag kind. Tony said, you know what? I'm giving you all this amazing stuff tonight. You know what else you're going to get with with all this sugar? You got to take your medicine. I'm going to give you this QT Marshall, Paul White, three-minute classic. Deal with it. And and we all just dealt with it because the rest of the show was just that good, Stephanie. <clears throat> That's true. We got to let Tony away with some things. Uh, I did like I, – I did hear Dave Meltzer say this, that um, – it was placed there in case some of the matches went long so they could just cut it. Imagine <laughs> the conversation backstage Yo. if QT is told his match was cut. He was cut from history. <laughs> Q- QT would have found a way. QT would have ran out in, the, in that final segment and attacked Daniel <laughs> Bryan. QT would have found some way to some way to finesse his way on this show. Mm-hmm. We Yeah, we were, we were never getting out of this show without a, a QT Marshall moment. <laughs> A more hashtag Marshall moments, man. <laughs> well, we've talked about the incredible ending. Let's just talk about the match here between Kenny mm-hmm. Omega and Christian Cage. They were um, kind of going up against the match that they had um, on Rampage for the Impact title. Uh, we had, you know, Don Callis being his usual self, pink suit, very nice. But <laughs> it ended with Christian taking a top of one winged angel respect to him for that i i did prefer the rampage match tony had really tried to hype up that they'd be better on pay-per-view uh, i don't agree i i think the rampage match was much better than this one mm-hmm. I, I i agree and i think it's not a slight to kenny and christian it's more where were your expectation levels yeah because when we had that match on rampage like i thought it'd be good but i wasn't expecting yeah, yeah. what we got and then you're mm-hmm. like oh just wait till we get to pay-per-view. Now my expectations are raised. So this wasn't a bad match, Stephanie. It just didn't meet the level that you raised my expectations to. Yeah. Um, and it was, as we said before, the the kind of st- they really tried to craft a bizarre storyline um for this. So respect to them for going back to like 10-year-old Kenny Omega and old Winnipeg tips going on with Don Callis and Christian and all that stuff. Um that was, I thought, uh, an interesting attempt to try and to like make something big and like long be- between them. Yeah. But 
I don't think Christian was the guy, but I don't think it matters. I think in 35 years, when those people that are talking about QT reviewing this show, review this show, they are not going to remember that Christian was a weak challenger and stuff. I think they're going to take this match kind of just like for what it was, a pretty good match. And then I think they're going to spend the rest of their time talking about the ending and who knows what the situation in the wrestling world would be like by then uh, if AEW will end up as being the sole big North American company and this would be the pay-per-view that started it all. But yeah, I, I, I think in, in the history books, the build ain't going to matter because of everything that came after. No. And, and like I said, man, like it's, it's not a bad match. Like it's a, mm-hmm. it's a perfectly fine title match. Like I think in a vacuum, like I'd probably go three and a half stars on it maybe. Like it, yeah, it, yeah. it, 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 it caught my attention. Like, I think there were some cool spots with the table and stuff, uh, you know, but it, it wasn't what people were here for Stephanie. Like, and yeah. I think they knew, I think they were cognizant of that. Like they knew what people were here for. So we're going to give them as good a match as we can before we get to the real main event, which happens after the match. And so uh, I think this is a good kind of uh, ending to the Kenny mm-hmm. Christian saga. And now Kenny can move on to greener pastures and Christian can, you know, head back to that impact zone and defend that title like the fighting champion that he is. I would like to see Christian properly, like have a little impact on there. But uh, I think that the there there is some good elevation of Jungle Boy really here with his um, Daniel Bryan coming in there to be a pal to him. Jungle Boy is a great prospect for the future so many i think wrestle dads on this call. i know so many wrestle so dads. dads i think sometimes i uh, don't get me wrong i like jurassic express but sometimes jungle boy feels a little bit like guilty by association because we all know that he's really pegged for the future but he's mm-hmm. so young he's not like the, like the next generation it feels like he's almost like the next next generation and his kind of getting to the main event will be like in over a year's time i'd say um but he's kind of sometimes guilty with the people he hangs around with because luchasaurus is great but at the end of the day he is you know a, a dinosaur man and marco <laughs> stunt is marco stunt and i think seeing jungle boy next to daniel bryan will be mm-hmm. brian danielson my gosh Will be really, really good for him. I, I think that's a great. You had to set up a, a, a jar, like, like you know, I know. Some, some places have a swear jar. You got to drop a dollar in every time you cuss. You need to set up a, a Brian Danielson jar, like every time you call yeah. that man out his name, you got to drop a dollar in. The problem is the names are too close. Like, yes. like th- that's the problem. They're so easy to get mixed up. Like <laughs> other people have. I mean, if. If The Undertaker was to debut on this show as Mark Calloway, I don't think I'd have any problem calling him Mark Calloway because that's nowhere near Undertaker. But you're like trying to get two names that are so, so close to each other. <laughs> trying to like separate them. It's hard. But yeah. thank gosh, you know, for him um, that he was on Total Bellas where they called him Brian so much <laughs> that it's out there in in the public like that that is his name i i think it's great i always i super feel sorry for people when they have to change their name or they lose their name because i like people just keeping the same name throughout i think it's like good for just brand building in general and anyone that gets to do that like punk and adam cole are super smart and lucky but this whole the daniel brian brian danielson it's close enough that yeah we all know who we're talking about 
it's, it's DBD. Just you know, either way, you're gonna get it. Right. Hey, Brian Danielson. <laughs> well, do you have Eddie? Now we've gone through everything. We talked about the order, matches, all of it. What and for anyone that tuned in late, we did we went through the debuts of Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan at the start. Yeah. We we did not just skim over those uh, <laughs> right now. But I, I, I turned the pay per view off after the match. I didn't see what happened. Steph. <laughs> you're you're like the people at GCW that left from Frank the Clown <laughs> came out thinking that that was the match they were getting. <laughs> yep. But any kind of like closing thoughts, comments, or on all out. This was a really, really, really good show, Stephanie. Yeah. And I'm not going to be a prisoner of the moment and say, this is the best show I've ever seen. Like, I think it's too soon. Like, we're way too close in the moment to fairly assess that. Again, I think it's something you got to wait years to mm-hmm. see and, and see the significance of this show going forward. But just from the feeling it gave me, like, I had the same feeling as I did, you know, as a little little kid watching like early 90s nwa or wcw yeah or as a teenager watching you know the monday night wars the attitude era or as somebody trying to you know figure out young adulthood like how i felt in the mid 2000s with tna was was popping with you know elix skipper and aj styles and chris daniels and samoa joe and all them cats like this this felt like that this felt like not only Am I watching good wrestling? But I'm watching something that's getting me emotionally connected, mm-hmm. emotionally invested. And then just to see the way that people have responded to this show, the way that people have responded, even going back to the punk debut. Like I felt yeah. there, 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 was, there was something in the air, Stephanie, where we went from the punk debut to the very next week we had uh, the NWA in power and mm-hmm. the 73rd anniversary show. And I think that there's a bit of rising tides lifts all boats going on yeah. where the enthusiasm for AEW is just helping the wrestling business in general, helping all of these independent companies, man, helping all of these other companies. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to say something here that sounds stupid two years from now, Stephanie, and somebody can just play the tape of me being hyperbolic about this, yeah. but it feels like wrestling is, if not cool again, wrestling is certainly more interesting than it has been in at least 15 years. And that's a great thing that AEW gave us. Again, like I got issues with some things with the company, like the way they, they you know, the women are presented and yeah. you know the lack of you know minorities in the main event scene. But overall, they are they are teaching a master class out here on how to present the art of professional wrestling. And they got something for everybody, like with Jericho and MJF. That was a throwback NWA style match. Yeah. With the Lucha Brothers and the Bucks. That was just a crazy, insane tag team, like Lucha style tag team match. Like just ridiculous. And so they're giving you all of this stuff, man. Sting, like you said, Sting, the, the national treasure that he is. He does this, he does that. He's simultaneously mm-hmm. as big as a bull, but also as quick as a cat. They are taking such good care of Sting and these other yeah. veterans. Like Arn and Tully, man, like I'm I'm excited for what this company can be. And I think last night was the first step. Like it, yeah. it, in a vacuum, Steph, it's a great show. But to me, maybe even bigger than the, the show that we watched last night is mm-hmm. the ramifications 
and the yeah. ripple that come out of this because it it has the potential to be really big. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be remembered as maybe the most important show they've they've done because punk punk coming back like I've you know I feel like as I say like I call myself Miss Dynamite I make all these this AW content and I'm doing this because I, I love AW but AW makes me like it it AW's wrestling to me, and that's not what I felt about WWE for a long time. It wasn't like mm. the wrestling I wanted. Uh, it wasn't the kind of wrestling I enjoyed to watch. I just felt like so let down by them all the time. They have such great talent, but it's not about mm-hmm. like you can have all the talent in the world, but it's about how, how they're used and how they're presented. And when AEW came along, it was so exciting. And it feels like they've like fulfilled many promises and more. If you think about where they started and yeah. having Kenny and the Bucks and Cody, like Cody, uh, you know, we can he can annoy us sometimes now, but <laughs> he started as a man with something like to prove, and he yeah. went out there, you know, to do it, and you could get get on board with that. Then signing Jericho, Moxie coming along, and then. I think this is why I liked like John Pollock saying this is AW 2.0 because you had all that that great stuff, but then you got the man CM Punk, and everyone might not be as big of a CM Punk fan as me, but CM Punk certainly represents something. The the person, the angry anti WWE wrestling fan, <laughs> is really represented by Mr. Punk, and he did not jump on this train initially. But he's here now, yeah. and it's like while we've been watching, he's been watching, and it's like he's come to say, "Hey guys, yes, this was the right decision." All you people that were following me and in, in my preaching anti WWE, whatever, like you've picked the, you've picked the right thing. Like this was mm-hmm. the right decision. But now I think that Brian coming is actually more significant than Punk mm. because. So many people like Daniel Bryan. Like, if you're a, a fully um, on uh, on Twitter, like Smarky Wrestling fan, you might think that everyone likes CM Punk. I don't think that is totally true. Bryan has like a big universal appeal. Yeah. No matter who you are, like people like Daniel Bryan, kids like Daniel Bryan. Punk's a, Punk's a bit prickly. Like, let's be real with yeah. Daniel. Is Daniel is just lovable, man. Yeah, he's lovable. And he appeals to everyone and he was just in the wrestlemania main event he was just on wwe tv like no one's forgotten that so i think more people will switch over for a guy that's in their recent memory than someone who you know if you're like a 18 year old let's see him punk you may not have ever seen him because he hadn't wrestled in in seven years so i think the effect of brian is is even bigger adam cole jumping over who is just like the head guy over on the show that tried to rival Dynamite, <laughs> which it's crazy when you think about it. And I just think we are we are entering like the most kind of important moment. They're they are really like ramping things up. Tony Khan is, I mean, could you have asked for a better billionaire than this you know, wrestling nerd that's that the, like that's the thing? <sighs> like inherently, I got problems with billionaires and millionaires, yeah. Stephanie. But if we got to have one to get something <laughs> off the ground. TK is is probably the best we're going to get because TK is like us. Like, mm-hmm. he, at the end of the day, like, take away the money, take away the Jaguars, take away all of that, man. Tony Khan is just a nerdy wrestler fan, 
at heart, just like the rest of us are deep down. And so you can tell there's a love for yeah. this. And it's not just about making money. It's not just an entertainment company to this dude. He's like, yo, I'm, I have to give the people the best show I can. And damn it, if he didn't do it last night. Yeah, I, I have problems with billionaires and millionaires, but to, with Tony Khan, I, I think a lot about people that hoard their money and how bad that is. Mm -hmm. And Tony Khan had decided not to hoard it, but to spend it on a lot of wrestlers, which it's, is it's, like, Tony Khan it is, is the best way. All of us. Like, I think. Yeah. I, I might be I might be misremembering, but, I you know, the, the Russellicious promotion from a few years mm -hmm. back with Jimmy Hart, I yeah. think. The conceit of that program, which is wild, is that the owner of Wrestlelicious won a Powerball lottery and spent all his money on a women's wrestling organization. And it's like, yeah, like as dumb as that sounds, like that's all of us. Like if we were yeah. ridiculously rich, Stephanie, we would probably invest in this crazy business that, that we love and we cover. Yeah. And he did it at the right time as well. It was just all these perfect storms coming together. He had... He had these indie guys that had got so hot in Japan. Um, he had guys whose contracts were coming up. He had mm -hmm. a lot of things fell into place. And as you said, got we a great TV always, deal. Great TV deal as well. He had the right connections, um, yep. both in the US and in the UK to make that happen. And you know, just a great way of spending his money. And the most important thing is that he's taken care of Sting. Um yes. and you know, <laughs> never made him lose in a wrestlemania match to a guy that had no business being in the mm. ring with him uh anyway mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. that, that part that part well, Nick, thank you that, that was my favorite moment of the pandemic real quick steph like what? yeah the, the 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 winter is coming mm -hmm. and i'm i'm sitting there like i kind of know what's gonna happen but yeah. I, again wrestling has taught me over the last 10 years or so to not believe people when they tell you something to wait and see. And so when 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 my man Sting, the hero of my youth, came out in the middle of that snow in Jacksonville, I was like, you know what, man, this this is all right with me. Like, I don't care what, like, yeah, yeah, there's some stuff they gotta tighten up, but this 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 is my brand right now. Sting's uh the winter is coming. I did not think Sting was coming, and I freaked. <laughs> Uh, when that man walked out. Talk about people. Actually, for no reason on Saturday night, I watched Sting's um, really random WrestleMania entrance that made no sense on his Winter is Coming debut. With the Tyco drummers. Yeah, yeah. And he looked so much better yeah. uh, coming out in Dynamite because he looked actually happy and not like he was like walking to the gallows there at, at WrestleMania. But yeah, the winter is coming debut. That is one of the, the best uh, moments of the pandemic. That uh, episode in itself was a, yeah. a nice little turning point because you got Sting and then you got the Kenny running away with the title, like forbidden door opening. And yes. that was a moment, but so many great things have happened in AEW that you, you forget about them. You know, when they made that um, great compilation video to say goodbye to Daily Face and you watch it going, all this stuff happened in this year. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so so um, wild. 
It is wild. But yeah, Nian, thank you so much for joining me. I want to, I want to give you some time to tell everyone about all you do and where they can find you. I first find you through post wrestling yes. um, and you talking about TNA um, and then coming <laughs> on and talking to John and Way. And I mean, the biggest compliment that I can give you is that I have listened to um many shows outside posts that you've done where I have had no idea about the sport that you are talking about and I have listened to it anyway. <laughs> oh, thank you. Just because I enjoy hearing you so much. But yes, please tell everyone about everything that you do, especially your new show on post too. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that family. Like again, like I, I'm honored to be here, man. Cause you, you, you putting out some really great content and like, here's the thing. Cause like I knew like, Last night when I went to bed after this show, I was like, tomorrow going to be a real good day. Got some things happening with personal life in terms of employment and whatnot. And, and, and I get to talk to Stephanie Chase about this here AEW show. And then, like, re-watching it again this morning, I'm like, yo, this show is amazing. So, like, not only do I get to talk about an AEW show with, like, arguably the best in the game right now when it comes to AEW coverage, but we get to talk about an all-time classic show featuring QT Marshall. So I'm, I'm, I've been hyped all morning waiting for this, <laughs> Stephanie. I'm, I'm glad we were able to get our schedules connected so we can make this happen for the people. Yeah. Uh, if if y'all want to hear more from me, if y'all are not tired of hearing my voice, you can check me out uh, on Post Wrestling, uh, mm -hmm. where I have a show called The Nubian Wrestling Advocates. It's myself, uh, the professor, Chris Ely, and Andrew Thompson, who is... Like we love up and coming, here. like yes, like I love that man. Like like you and Andrew, like I think like that's what like when when those shows happen thirty years from now, like me and John and Wade, we're not gonna be around. It's gonna be you and Andrew and Braden and the Davy Portmans of the world. Y'all gonna be the ones carrying this thing forward, man. Because because me and John and Wade gonna be retired somewhere enjoying a nice cold beverage. Uh, but yeah, it's me, Chris, and Andrew, and we talk about wrestling from the standpoint of black wrestling fans and how we can all watch the same show but have different perspectives based on our life experiences and so mm -hmm. like you know we've talked about the bianca belair match at SummerSlam and yeah. like why that might not have been the right call you know yeah. we talked about kenise mobley the writer that was fired uh from mm -hmm. monday night raw and and uh you know we our first episode on post we had uh, a cookout and we invited people to the cookout and, and decided whether we wanted them at the cookout or not. Spoiler alert, Terry Bollea was not invited uh, to this cookout, Stephanie. Uh, good, good choice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Terry Bollea and uh, Tessa Blanchard, who I, I guess they were chanting Tessa for Tessa. Like, that's beautiful. Like, shout out yes. to Hoffman Estates because half of the crowd was like, we want Tessa. And then the other half was like, no, we don't. Nope. Like, like nope. The, the, what you mean we? Uh, but post-wrestling. Uh, is where you can find the Nubian Wrestling Advocates comes out every second Sunday. So this coming Sunday, you'll catch the latest edition of our show where we talked a little bit about AEW. And we also uh, had a tribute uh, for uh, Jamel Hepburn, who unfortunately passed away a few weeks ago. So uh, that's on post wrestling. If you want to hear about sports, you can check out the Kings of Sport podcast, which for seven, eight years was me and Marcus Vandenberg who is now of ESPN. And so now it's just me. And so mm -hmm. I've had various guests on, you know, SP3, uh, Andrew, uh, Brent Chittenden, like just people I know and, and people I respect. And I'm trying to figure out what, 
much like AEW 2.0, trying to figure out what the Kings of Sport 2.0 is, Stephanie. But <laughs> but we we'll get there. We we coming up on 300 episodes, so it's been a great ride, and, and we're gonna keep it going. If you want to support the Kings of Sport and be a part of that next step, check me out on Patreon, y'all. Patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. Five bucks gets you in the door. We got MCU reviews. We got political shows, sports shows. Uh, we've got wrestling shows. We'll probably talk about AEW sometime this next week or so. But five bucks gets you in the door, and you know that that helps me to create more content and and you know gives me that freedom. Like I feel like mm-hmm. I'm Adam Cole. Well, I can just go out here and worry <laughs> about the work and not worry about these damn bills. So check out the Patreon if y'all want to support me and for everything else, man. Because I. I'm on way too many shows, Stephanie. Like I, I talk, I talk MCU. Like I've got a show on the DC TV podcast networks covering Black Lightning. Like I do way too much of this, but it's something that I love. So if you want to find out where else you can find me, just follow me on Twitter, y'all at in the number eight M O Z A I K. It's right down there. If I can get my directions correctly, yeah. Uh, follow me, and uh, you know, for the most part, I think you'll be entertained and maybe in. You know, the, the, the goal, Stephanie, for me is I want people to have fun. I want people to have a good time. But if I can find a way to make them think a little bit differently mm-hmm. in the midst of that fun, then, then my job is done here, Stephanie Chase. I'm like QT Marshall. I can clock out for the day because I didn't did my damn job. Well, that's like why I enjoy your content so much. You're, you're so entertaining, but um, I love people going in a bit deeper on wrestling, wrestling storylines wrestling, booking, taking into account much, many more things than whether what wrestler is good and what wrestler isn't. Um, and it's it's great to see like how much content you do. Um, it's so wonderful. And I'm so glad like to have you on here. And it's always like, it's great to see you working with um, SB3, who we we love here, you know, yeah. from the Wrestling Daily. And I love all these, um, you know, everyone just great like crossover stuff crossover yes. with post crossover with wrestling daily you know it's, think, it's just so so cool i think stephanie again like not to give too much credit to this man tony khan because damn it <laughs> how, like, how much can we give to this billionaire but i think part of like a lot of this collaboration which i love is yes. is sprung from just the feeling right now like everybody's excited to talk about this and so it's like mm-hmm. why shouldn't you and i connect or why shouldn't yeah. you know me and rich fan from from the torch like why shouldn't mm-hmm. we do a show together so like that that to me is something great that has happened over the last few months it feels like there's more of a collaborative spirit in the wrestling kind of journalism and content space and and i really mm-hmm. dig that well, for me, like this week, all out week, I got to do a show with two people, yourself and John Pollock, that I have been listening to for so long. So it's been like super, super cool um, for me to welcome you both on preview with John and recapping, reviewing with you. It's been really, really great. Um, before we go, uh, another super chat from Dave. Thank you so much. Postmark here for the first time to give Nate some love. Thanks for the great show. What a pay-per-view. I mean, I think me and Nate, we would have done an amazing show, even if we watched the worst pay-per-view of all time or yeah. the most medium pay-per-view of all time. But we got a really, really good one. <laughs> we got a really, really, really good one. So yeah, I am like, all I am time. So like, like th- that's so crazy. Like again, Stephanie, like I'm I'm lying here, but but I'm lying to make a point. Like I paid fifty dollars for that show last night. I would have paid five hundred dollars for that show. Like obviously I wouldn't 
because that's ridiculous. But like mm-hmm. the show was worth it, man. Like that's an all-time show that we all got yeah. to not only watch, Stephanie, but and you know, you, you made the point a little bit earlier, we got to experience it collectively. Mm-hmm. And in the world that we're currently in, like still in the midst of a pandemic, still kind of fighting with this thing in different parts of the world to different levels, like the fact that we all came together and just had fun last night, like that's, you can't put a price on that, man. So shout out yeah. to AW and, and shout out to everybody for, for the most part, being cool last night and not, not being jerks, man, because we need less of that and more collaboration and family out here. It's so much nicer to have that um, collective experience of saying something is awesome rather yes. than like dunking on things because they're so bad. Like <laughs> it, it's much better for us all to be like, yeah, we had a we had a really, really great time and something, you know, make us feel happy and make us feel like we not only got our money's worth, but we we'd even pay more for that. It was it was a well, well worth show. Well, uh, thank you so much, Nate. We've gone like nearly two hours here, which um, is wonderful, uh, incredible, much longer than QT's match, but we yes. deserved it. We I, deserved I knew, it. Like, here's the thing, Stephanie. Like in my mind, I'm like, if we can keep this under three hours, we've yes. we've done our job because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. Like, like we we could have spent 30 minutes just talking about how great Steve Borden is. Like that's <laughs> a thing that could yeah. have happened today. One day we have got to uh, hook up and do a purely like why we love Sting and why Sting is being treated well here and why we don't believe that he was (laughs) in WWE type show. Will we explain it to the... uh, because I think you you probably saw this on Twitter the night Punk debuted. I said I said something about like I'm so glad Sting was there because he was also mistreated by WWE. I started blocking people that night that replied to me <laughs> and and were like, "What are you talking about? He had a WrestleMania main event. What more do you want?" And I was like, "Block, block, block." Mm-hmm. So we we need we need to do something together where we explain to some of these uh, kids exactly why we would feel this way about Sting's career. <laughs> I mean, like, look, look he- this, this this man is the goat. Like that, that's all that has to be said. Like this man is the goat, still doing it, still doing it well. Like pe- yeah. there's a reason people are still excited about this man. So I will accept no sting slander uh, on, on my timeline, Stephanie. They they, they getting blocked as well. <laughs> well, Nate, thank you once again, everyone. Please follow on Twitter. Um, subscribe. Go check out all great podcasting work and thank you everyone that has watched any of um, my shows during all out week but especially today oh, it's great that so many of you come and support and love AEW uh, I'll catch you guys on Thursday when I'm back doing my AEW weekly show and it's just a, a normal a normal Thursday I have the feeling that things might never be normal again that is always going to be uh, really so it's a new normal exciting now. <laughs> you know <laughs> but goodbye everyone and thank you again for watching <laughs>